And if you need to burp, just go ahead and burp. Oh, no, let no, let no, it no, out. No, no. I mean, I'm you a, never know. You might have I'm, to. It I'm, might a be pro- a, I'm a proper southerly. It might be that good. It might be that good of a beer. <laughs> I, have my, I have my limits. I, cur- I curse like a sailor, but burp, no. <laughs> no, no that's well, good. that's okay because Nigel likes to judge your burps. And oh. I just want to put on the record that yeah. you judged one of mine. But the audience, the audience approved. Uh, I'm happy for you. <laughs> oh my god! Good enough to good enough to a good start. Now, do y'all use the video or just the audio when you end up? We, we use both. We oh, use you do? Both. Okay, good. Yeah. I'm glad. I, okay. Nigel's an old video guy, so it's important to him. Oh, okay. I was like, man, I miss the days where it was just you know audio. You could be wearing, looking, however. <laughs> <laughs> everyone's pretty much streaming all of their podcasts. I'm like, oh, I don't, I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. Many people, I mean, people watch you. video, but if you want to see some of the dumb shit that happens, then you kind of, you know, it's hard to, de- to describe. Yeah. <laughs> and I always tell people, so I, my business is content production. I always tell people, you might as well turn on the cameras. I mean, Google, Google owns, there. owns YouTube. You might as well just take the free clicks. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. You ready to go? Should we do it? Let's do it. All right, here we go. Oh, Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, promotional products and design. They cover your brand bumper to bumper with graphic design, promo products, and print. See what Dire Oil Graphics can build for you at direoil.com. That's D Y E R O I L.com. Gluten free lawnmower beers. That's. I, like, you drink one of those. I don't know. I feel like I should be mowing the lawn. We're talking about. Uh, there's a. There's a I think, I think, I, they don't brew it here, but they're here in town and make gluten free beer. Mm. Yeah, and they they own the whole process. Yeah, and it's not bad. It's actually not you know as Nick is saying, it's lawnmower beer. Um, yeah. Welcome, to, <laughs> welcome to beers with Nigel. I'm Nigel. That's uh, Nick over there. I'm that other guy. It's a show about beer and other stuff, and we definitely have some other stuff on today. Welcome to the show, Tinu Diver. Yeah, you did it. Yeah, I did it. <laughs> you said just like River. She is the uh, the director of the upcoming documentary, um, This Belongs to Us, which we're super excited about, and it sounds like you are, too. Welcome to the show, my dear. Oh, thank you. Thank you all for having me, and thanks for your Absol- interest absolutely. in the invitation. Absolutely. Let's let's uh, get things out of the way. We, we, one of our- Junior! Welcome. Uh, junior! <laughs> I have a nephew named Junior. So that's well, there, <laughs> and we, say, we say that around me and my husband's <laughs> <laughs> junior. Like, oh well, so God, this is for scary. this is for our junior and your junior. Yes. <laughs> so, so junior, we're drinking uh, El Segundo Brewing Company, Steve Austin's Broken Skull IPA. I left Very my nice. wallet in El Segundo. There you go. <laughs> <laughs> we're off to a great start. Yes. What What are you drinking over there? Thank you for asking. I am drinking uh, FYPM, which I can't remember what it stands for. I'll have to ask the brief, wow. but this is um, FYPM. It's a strawberry milkshake IPA. Ooh. Uh, and this is a, co- a collab between uh, Spaceway Brewing in Rocky oh, Mount yeah. and Tarboro, Bu- uh, Tarboro Brewing Company um, in Tarboro. Uh, Inez yeah. um, and uh, uh, the good folks there, then Brianna Brake uh, uh, at Spaceway. Yeah. Um, Brie hears this, she's gonna be like, "Damn, how do you still have a can of that?" Because I actually proved this. <laughs> like, I dug into my, my beer fridge. 
bitch because I have all this beer now working on the project. Um, because uh, I'm constantly, you know, trying to support and, and try things. But anyway, so yeah. um, yeah, I think they this was a collab they did last summer and um, some beautiful art. I think they. I feel like there was a student that worked on this maybe from UNC Wilmington or somewhere in North Carolina. So, but yeah, so that's Very what cool. I am imbibing on and I'm enjoying it in my bow and arrow brewing glass. So bow and arrow women owned indigenous brewery in oh. New Mexico. Oh, awesome. Check them out. They make amazing the beer. Ooh, you yeah, should. That's kind of that's yeah. the next guest. Yeah, we've talked about that a lot though, that, all of our beer fridges are now more full after the last 18 months That's because ridiculous. <laughs> of, of all of the take-homes and to-goes yeah. and all the beer karma. Well, and that's, that's beer karma is a real thing. It is. And so you got to follow, follow rule number two. So tell us who is uh, Tino, Tino Diver. Who are you if, if, for the uninitiated? Tino Diver is the oldest daughter of Nigerian immigrant parents who came to the US uh, in the 1970s um, and uh, was born in Boston, grew up in Prince George's County, Maryland, uh, and currently resides in Raleigh, North Carolina. Uh, I'm not gonna keep talking about myself in the third person because that's kind of weird, <laughs> creepy. <laughs> That like, makes it fun. That was, that was that was kind of a first. I was really digging it. Yeah. Um, I am a lawyer. I am. Uh oh. I am a, <laughs> a community organizer, and I'm also a documentarian. Um, and am currently working on my first feature length documentary film project. This belongs to us. I've done two short documentary film projects, Quilt Journeys, about the African-American quilting circle of Durham and 98 about North Carolina State Highway 98. And then I've also done a short audio piece called Masterpiece. And This Monks Us is my first feature length uh, film project. Awesome. Well, tell us, just give us the quick 30,000 foot of that one. And then and then we'll kind of dig in a little bit from there of, of what, this, what this project is. Hmm, yeah. So This Monks to Us is really about exploring craft beer in the U.S., particularly the history and the connection uh, between race and craft beer in the U.S., and um, is really follow some curiosity that I've had about how a craft that I had grown up uh, knowing about as being very Afrocentric and very much rooted in the people and the customs and traditions uh, of folks on the African continent became synonymous with white male blue collar hipster culture in the U.S., um, and so this project is focused primarily on Black, female, women-identified uh, brewers in the Southeastern United States and following their journeys and in doing so, exploring the different aspects of the craft beer industry and how um, that history has been tied up with race and has resulted in the, uh, the disconnect and the erasure of uh, Black folks from a, a craft that belongs to to them to us right so. you know I'm, I'm curious obviously you're doing a, a basically a beer documentary but but a historical piece as well what's what's your interest what was your entryway in, into beer into craft beer where did that come from mm. well when i did my introduction i i initially st i started with my parents very intentionally because i do think pretty much everything for me starts with my, with my parents um but you know growing up in an immigrant a nigerian immigrant household I only thought that there were two beers in existence. They were Guinness and Heineken because that's the only two beers that were ever served at any type of, you know, a Nigerian, any birthday party, cookout, whatever. There would be a cooler for the adults that the kids knew not to touch. And it was Guinness, uh, Heineken, and then Malta, which is uh, also a drink that's popular in, um, in the Caribbean 
And, uh, and you know, the kids we had got drink our Huggies and Capri Suns, whatever we were drinking, right. uh, Shasta. Um, <laughs> and uh, growing up, we also had a family friend in Nigeria who worked for a brewery, um, a large brewing company. A lot of the European brands actually brew um, and offshore their production in other places like Nigeria. So the first beer brewer I actually ever knew was African Man. And I knew about the history of beer brewing um, with the Egyptians and Ethiopians. Um, There's a significant Ethiopian population um, in the DC area um, in Maryland where I grew up. So that was my foundation. And uh, fast forward, when I, I first came to North Carolina, where I currently live, I first came here as a student. I came here to attend uh, undergrad at the University of North Carolina at Chapel Hill. I ended up staying there for law school. Um, and moved back to North Carolina in um, about six years ago. And when I did, um, took uh, my husband and I took a trip to Asheville. And by then, um, came to know this booming uh, craft beer uh, scene in Asheville. And um, as I, you know, I'd kind of go into these different spaces, just noticed the the stark uh, demographic, uh, like just how white all the spaces were. And there was a particular beer release for a brewery that used um, the imagery of this kind of foxy brown black woman with afro, yeah. and I remember being go, you know, seeing like the um, the advertisement for the beer releases at a bottle shop nearby, and thinking like, oh, that's dope. This is like some, you know, thinking it's like this is some like I don't know Black History Month beer <laughs> release. I don't know. And I show up, and I'm like the only black person. I'm like, what the hell is going on? What is yeah. this? You know, <laughs> like, and so. Um, that kind of curiosity just stayed with me. And I just, you know, was just kind of noticing that. And then in 2019, or excuse me, 20, gosh, I guess that was 2019 when I was at, oh, and the other the other thing that I, that I was paying attention to was seeing, was space and seeing how breweries show up physically uh, in communities and noticing how they were often, you know, uh, kind of, you know, well, one, often located in communities that, um, were looked very different than the clientele that was coming to the breweries. They're often right. near the railroad tracks and they're in the kind of the industrial side of town because of the type of space that they're looking for. Right. And particularly in North Carolina, um, they often are the canary in the coal mine for gentrification. And so um, 2019, I'm at the Haytai Film Festival and we're getting some refreshments and someone's pouring beer um, from Harlem Brewing um, owned by Celeste Speedy. Yeah. I mentioned it's like, oh, a black woman made this beer. We're like, oh, that's dope. That's what's up. And then they're like, yeah, and she's apprenticing a young woman out in Eastern North Carolina. We were like, word? <laughs> like, what? You're like, <laughs> like that's not Hold the storyline. Unfortunately, that's not the storyline we usually hear. You're right, Eastern North Carolina. I was like, what? And so um, fast forward a few months, I, you know, I, at that point I knew I was going to work on this project and was at the 2019 Fresh Fest doing research. And I'm going around drinking beer and I stop at this one table and I look down at the business card and it says Rocky Mount, North Carolina. And it was Brie, it was Brianna Break, yeah. who's the CEO. And I was like, oh my God, you know, <laughs> you're in North Carolina. She's like, yeah, I'm from Durham. I'm like, what? And so yeah. uh, we connected after we both got back to North Carolina and started shooting with Brie, um, you know, shared with her about the project and started shooting with her. And, and honestly, I didn't even, but prior to Fresh Fest, I didn't even know if there was like a there there because I did not know about Black craft beer culture. And I didn't know about that right. world. And so when I got to Fresh Fest, I felt like this anthropologist that had like <laughs> come into this new place. I was like, oh yeah. my God, this yeah. is like, what, yeah. you know? That's everybody's and reaction. <laughs> I, I was there. <laughs> I know, everybody was there, apparently. Yeah. That was the place to be, apparently. <laughs> 
um, if you were black in in in, in, in beer and, and close to that. And so, um, so, so yeah, so, um, you know, just, you know, realizing that Brie existed and learning about her story. And the, and the, the other part about this going back, circling kind of full circle to the beginning of the story to my parents is, you know, I started working on the project and at some point I was just talking to my mom about it, like in passing. And my mom's like, you know, your grandma was a brewer, right? And I was like, like, uh, no, like, how would I know? African parents are not very good at like sharing things with their children. (laughs) Like, uh, no, excuse me. And so she's like, yeah, your grandmother, uh, brewed the local, um, the local uh, fermented drink in her village called Burukutu. Um, which, and which is interesting because I want to bring it back to what you guys are talking about drinking gluten-free beer because Budokutu is made from, um, they call it red guinea corn. It's what we call sorghum, um, -hmm. in the U S and when you think about where sorghum grows, we know how it got there. Um, but one of the things about sorghum is it is gluten. It's naturally gluten-free. The beer that it makes is naturally gluten-free. So you have, I don't know if the beer that you were, um, drinking was using sorghum, but you have a lot of folks here trying to, trying to use sorghum, um, to uh to as part of you know the recipes for their gluten-free beers so that's uh that's us that's that's all us and my grand and my grandma so that connection to her i never got to meet my grandmother she died when my mom was 14 um but definitely feel her spirit is part of this um this whole journey um so so you know you talked about you know what the parents were drinking at the at the parties and that sort of thing what was your entry into because i was here drinking a good beer right now what got you into into actually drinking crap beer? What what do you remember? What kind of turned you on to it? Do you remember? I, I do actually. It was it wasn't until my husband and I took that trip to Asheville. So this would have been we moved back to North Carolina in oh oh five, um, and he we actually signed up for like a beer tour, and I we did this thing where it's like I was like yeah I don't like beer. I don't drink beer, um, but I'm just, I don't, you know, I'm just here to hang out. Can y'all just give us a discount and I'll just cut, you know, whatever. And I would just kind of like, you know, along the way, sip his beers, whatever. And I was thinking about that, this, this question this morning. And I think it was, we were at Green Man um, and there was a porter. It was a dark, it was like a porter. Um, I believe it was a porter. And that's when I kind of triangulated on the type of style that I liked. Cause my husband went at that time earlier in a marriage was like a yingling guy. Right. And so that's was, you know, kind of what I was expo- supposed to in terms of what he drank. And then even when we're living in Boston, I remember going to night shift brewing, which is a craft brewery in it's right outside of Boston. I can't remember which town. Um, and that might be like the first uh, craft brewery I actually visited. Um, and they had some really interesting like flavors and things like that. And so that's when I kind of figured out like, oh, okay, so this is, you know, they're doing all, all this kind of inventive stuff. But when I think about the moment where I, actually tried a beer that I liked. I would say it was, it was at a uh, green man in Asheville and it was, I believe it was their, their Porter. Um, so, and that was not that long ago. <laughs> so, um, but yeah, I'm, I'm definitely a double, triple Imperial IPA oh, okay. kind of gal. Cause okay. I'm going to have one, you know, I'm, I'm a one and done. So I'm going to okay. make it, I'm going to make it count. <laughs> like I'm going to spend like the afternoon in the garden and like, you know, sweat and whatever. And I'm like, all right, I'm going to have one. I'm going to make it count. So this time of year, as it's getting cooler, this is like the season where the stuff that I like, you know, starts coming out. Yeah. Um, so and you a I, slow drinker? Does it last? I am. I am. Yeah, I am. This will, yes, this will last me the whole, yeah, this, this will be my one and done tonight. Yeah. <laughs> Well, you, um, you did say it was kind of late for you, so there's that. Yeah, so yeah, I usually don't <laughs> try not to drink before bed. 
<laughs> so yeah, I used to. I, feel I used like to that be late. Gets gets earlier though. The older I get. Well, I don't know what to say. We're gonna stop here for a sec. We're gonna have we're gonna have a mystery beer. This is oh. this is a mystery beer bag. Oh, that, look at that! Know, that's one of our things that we do. And Nick, okay, you know when we started a year and a half ago, Nick wasn't much a, of a beer guy. Forty six episodes now. Ago. Now he is. It's kind of um, this is kind of a mute point, but people still enjoy the mystery beers. We keep it classy. You know, brown paper bags. This is a new paper. <laughs> I, the ancestors are rolling around in the, their grave. Look, just don't just just don't notice the hole in the bottom of the bag. <laughs> There's a mouse been in there? Oh my gosh! I don't know. I don't know how. You know, you never know. What, what are we oh, doing? Oh, I almost, yeah. I've almost pulled that out of my beer fridge tonight. This, so this is would have been twinsies. Yep. The weathered souls. This is from yep. the source. Black is beautiful. The original. Yep. yep. When I was down there a month ago, I went to. Mm. Uh, I went. I went looking for Marcus down there because he wasn't there. But... <laughs> Did he know you were coming? Just... No, yeah. no. My dad. My dad lives in San Antonio, and I was like, oh, I gotta go to Weathered yeah, Souls. Like, yeah, you're like I'm around the way. Why not? So I just bought two hundred dollars worth of beer while I was there. It was fine. He's all over the place. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah, so... I, I, I was. I noticed that. I was like, how does Nigel? He's, you do see? Yeah, you you get around. <laughs> yes, he does. I, I mean, no. you know, I gotta, gotta. What a culture! What a culture! Yeah, gotta, gotta. There's beer everywhere. That's the thing. Yes. You know. Yeah. So why why you were drink drinking this porter? At what point did you decide? Obviously, you heard some things from your parents about you know uh, the grandparents and then brewing. At what point did you, did you think, man, that would be a great documentary? When did that come about? I think once I knew that Brie existed, because mm -hmm. I just felt like, you know, it, was, it had been this idea. I mean, you know, I'd done two short documentaries and, uh, you know, so, you know, once I knew Brie existed, because again, it was just this idea in my mind and just kind of all these things I had been noticing, but didn't know that it was a there there. I hadn't been a fresh fest, didn't know anything about, you know, you know, black beer culture, didn't. Um, even the things that I know now about, you know, history, you know, the role of black women in beer history in the U.S. Um, you know, there was a lot I didn't know. So I think once, you know, I just felt like it was definitely like a kismet universe thing where once and all the all the all the all the, all the, the things that had to align, you know, to be at Haiti, which is for those who don't know, Haiti is the historic black um, community uh, uh, that actually predates the creation of Durham. And so the Haytai Film Festival is at the Haytai Heritage Center, which is, you know, very sacred kind of ground. And so to be at the Haytai Center, learning about Celeste, learning, then learning about Brie, then going to Fresh Fest and meeting Brie, I was just like, come on, okay. Like, I definitely was like, okay, universe, I hear you. Um, so that I think was like, all right, there, I'm not crazy. Because you always have that when you're working on a project, you know, as an artist, documentarian, you're like, am I crazy? Is this, you know? And then you just keep taking a step and you take a step and you take a yeah. step on this journey. And um, yeah, so. And I'm the fact that Bree said yes, I mean, that's even the only reason why I'm here <laughs> at this point is that she. Well, I mean, te technically, yes. we feel the same way about you that you even came Aww. on the show. So there's that. I figured I would throw it out there and just see what. That's how we get guests. I'm like, I'm just taking a Let, guess. Let's just see if they'll say yes. Yes. <laughs> Shoot no, your shot. More Shoot often your than shot. not, they they do say yes. I'm shot. curious as you've gone through the process and you're 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 working on this, how much of it has stayed about the beer? I mean, as you keep learning, <laughs> kind of the history, right? And and I'm going to use as an example. I, I we just watched 
recently, and I don't know how recently because COVID ruined perspective of time. It could have been six months ago. It might have been yesterday. I don't know. Um, but Netflix has a has a short series called High on the Hawk. Yes. Which is absolutely incredible. Beautiful. Everybody yep. should go watch it. Amazing. But it's like 15% about the food, right? It's a food mm-hmm. doc, but it's not really about the food. But it's a great story. So I'm just curious with you how much of it has stayed about about the beer or I mean, has it changed a little bit as have you, has it made you think deeper? No, only because fair for me to even say it that way. Yeah, no, it is fair because for me, it's actually never been a beer doc. Like even when I would talk about it, I'd be like, so I'm working on this project and it's about beer, but it's about so much more, you know, (laughs) that's the way I talk about it, you know? So in my mind, like from jump, I've always known that beer is just like the foil and beer is like the the medium through which we're exploring all of these different, you know, themes, whether it's around, uh, you know, land and space, whether it's a la- around um, religion, whether it's around, you know, the, the specific intersectionality of race and gender in the South, um, you know, economics. Um, so, um, so yeah, so I, I kind of, you, you know, I, I, you know, one of the things that, um, you know, uh, we just finished a crowdfunding, uh, a round of crowdfunding in the spring. And one of the things that I've, you know, t- thought about in, in the project and will likely come up is the beer summit that President Obama had and just the, what that meant, like, what was the thing under the thing in terms of him choosing to use beer as the medium to mediate uh, a very still, um, you know, uh, uh, timely issue, which was, you know, at the time, the, the a white Cambridge police officer who arrested Professor, you know, Henry Louis right, Gates right. And, in his own home. And that summit happened, not even because of that incident, but it was because President Obama made a comment, I believe at a press conference, instead that the Cambridge Police Department had acted stupidly in their actions. And then uh, folks fomented white rage and oh, the president hates black people, and oh, or excuse me, the president hates white people, and 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 right. so that and that was in response to him trying to allay this white rage that was fomented against him because he actually spoke his mind about how he felt <laughs> that you know um, Dr. Gates was treated. So yeah, I feel like you know Bree and I got to um, chat with the folks over at Good Beer Hunting a while ago, and I made this comment about how how beer is inherently political, small p political, right? So the definition of political meaning of and about the affairs of the city. So when you decide to open a brewery or to start making beer, selling beer, you you have you have engaged in a political act. You have decided to show up in your community, sell something, be a part of the exchange of goods. You've got to use water that comes in. You want to make sure that that water is clean. You're may, may or may not be employing people. You're taking up space and land. And how you think about all those things matter and are important. And so um, anyway, that's a long answer. But um, for me, it's always been a project where like beer is this connector and this thread, but it's not like a lot of beer documentaries actually, I think, overemphasize. It's like all of these like, you know, time lapses of bubbles, you know, beautiful photography. Though, I but. love a zoom. Trust me. I love anyone that knows me. Like I love the zoom lens. I love the close-ups. I love the speed ups and the slow. I love all that. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. And there will, there will be some of that in this, in this project. Um, but, um, but I think that, that most beer documentaries are u- uber focused on the beer 
um, more so than either the people or you know some of the the kind of the background and the context in which that that beer is being made and produced. What's well, the beer is always about the people, though, right? I mean, that's what it all boils down well, to. Yeah. I mean, it's people. You're in the you're in the tap room. You're sitting around. You have a beer, and you can talk about anything. Hopefully. Hopefully, <laughs> I, mean, for, I mean, for the for the most part, you're right. I've I've never I've I've never had an issue in a chat room of you know, and, and to your point, a lot of times I go on that, and I'm, I'm in there, and the only person of color, you know, and I've, you know, I'll talk to anybody, so I don't really care if I can drink a beer with you. I can we can have a conversation. I'm pretty sure. <laughs> you know, at least we have that in common. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, I mean, me, Bree, and I go back and forth about this because she, you know, for her. In you know for Spaceway like that is very much a part I think of a thrust of and you know I don't want to speak for me but I, I I think that's a very much a part of the ethos of Spaceway is like you know bridging these spaces in that divide us and are between us and I, we go back and forth because brief you know also feels very strongly about the same way that the president tried to you know invoke and bring beer in as this kind of conciliatory um, uh, instrument like in just the history of you know the pubs and the place that people would come and like share ideas and debate and, you know, engage in, you know, you know, these democratic practices and her, I go back and forth. And I'm like, I don't know, Brie, I don't know if beers, beers powerful enough to, <laughs> to bridge, to bridge everybody. I don't know, you know? And so, um, but I do think that that is, um, I think for a lot of, a lot of beer enthusiasts and beer lovers, that that is what, what, has drawn them in is that. And then I think also too, like story, you know, in terms yeah. of beer being about the people. I mean, I think when I think about like going to night shift, the thing that sticks out in my mind, even though I've not had one of their beers in, you know, probably a decade, is like the story of how it started, which was, I think, if, I, if I'm recalling this, is like, got, you know, three guys, I think it was three of them, who were friends. And they call it night shift because they would make beer in someone's garage, like mm -hmm. after they all had their day jobs. And this was like the night shift and this is what they did, you know, right. at night, you know, in the after hours. And so, and that story has stuck with me through all these years. And so I think a lot of craft breweries who do it well have really strong stories about their own origins or strong stories tied to the beers they're producing. Um, like a, the, the brewer at Bow and Arrow used to be at a brewery in Durham called Full Steam. And they have a very strong program connecting uh, like, the kind of putting ingredients that are local in the beers and to the point where you can look at the can and see like how, what percentage of this beer came from, you know, North Carolina farms or whatever. Yeah. And so he's taken that program to bow and arrow as well. And, um, but that's part of, right. Like that story of like, what's in this can is also like, Oh, this is a story of like a place and a people and a community. How, how important to take that just a step farther. How important is it though to, to tell the story so much of American history is appropriation. And, you know, when you just, when you just started, you talked about, you know, that was, that was your grandma or your aunt that was making the beer for her village. And look, you hinted at it, but let's just go and say it. How did sorghum get here? It came over on the ships. So how important is it to, to tell those stories? It's really important. And I don't think I realized it at the outset because I took for granted, even what I, what, what I knew, which is, you know, what I knew at the time when I first started working on the project, which was less than what I know now, I took, I took for granted. I, I just thought everybody, you know, knew about the history of like beer brewing in Egypt right, and Ethiopia right, right. And, and all these things. And 
And so the thing that surprised me the most so far as like how much of an educational, um, I think, mission this project has, you know, in addition to being beautiful and being entertaining and hopefully like moving people and hopefully it being something that people who participate in are proud of, um, a lot of it is is education. Um, and that's and that's honestly, that's the violence of erasure. That's the violence of colonization. Um, that's the violence of white supremacy is separating us not just black folk, but white folk from, from, from reality and from, you know, our right. history. And so in, in, in doing so stealing our, our dignity and humanity. Um, and so, um, so that's something I've been sitting um, a lot with because one of the things, one of the themes or kind of topics uh, that's come up is around also the connection between um, uh, you know, kind of thinking about like religious practice and religious cultures, particularly those that have taboos around alcohol and how that can then impact, you know, the paths in which people see for themselves in terms of being involved in something like, you know, beer industry or something like that. Um, but again, if we don't know, if we if we don't understand some of the, um, you know, the roots and the origins, and even just thinking about like production. I mean, I think one of the other aspects of this project is like making me think about my relationship with alcohol and understanding like even how the way that beer was produced and how much it was communal, how much it was special, how much it was about the ancestors and the spirit, you know, why we call, you know, stuff spirits, right? right. Like it was a, not just about, it was about that like communing with, um, with, with, with spirit. I mean, we still, that we still do libations. What well, we pour some out for the homies that ain't here. <laughs> right. That comes from Africa. That's us, that's us. You know, that's, that's, that's part of our practice. Um, our cultural practice. And so, um, so yeah, so I think that um, it's, it's really important. Uh, obviously I, I can only imagine as somebody that, that, that has done video production forever going through this process and you're digging, like you said, you, you, what, you were doing something today. I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's some instances that you're like, Oh my God, what things that you, did you find that kind of, you didn't know about that really surprised you? Uh, uh, along this journey as you're going. Oh, I don't want to spoil it. And I'm super transparent. So like for me to have to like, <laughs> I have to like, actually, like, it takes a lot of effort for me to be like, oh, you just have to wait and watch the movie when it's done. Um, so what you're saying, and there's a lot of things that's there's a lot, just, yeah, there's like a lot of history in terms of not just the, how black women show up in beer history, but like black women from the South. Yeah. You know, like the North Carolina, like, because that was really, I mean, that was like one of the biggest decisions I had to make early on was like, okay, do I just do, I knew it was going to be black brewers, but it was like, all right, if I, if I decided to open up to black brewers, just writ large, like I could, you know, be talking to folks like Marcus, like I could be, you know, including, um, you know, men, I could be including folks, um, you know, from all over the country, but I just felt like considering the history, like, and how this, how our, how our ancestors, how some of our ancestors, you know, got here and how some of these traditions were passed down. I just felt like I needed, and just also being true to who I am as, as a, as a documentarian and as a documentarian who consciously chooses to make art in the South about the South, um, that, um, I needed to honor that. And, uh, it, and so, so that decision to focus on black women in the South was a really intentional one. And, um, but, but, but again, and not really knowing like how much there was going to be there, but, right. um, the more time that I've spent working on the project, um, it's just been, it's been, a, it's been a learning experience for me and it's been yeah. a journey. 
Um, so, um, so I just think realizing like how much we don't know <laughs> about yeah. the contributions that black women yeah. have made to this industry and, and the ways that we don't celebrate and honor them. So, and I hope I that that's something that this can do, that this film can do. I imagine that this is going to be a wonderful and hard edit job because to try to pare it down. <laughs> right. <laughs> I mean, look, we all know, we all know, right. The magic for, and I'm, I'm learning. I'm not, I'm an, I'm an old newspaper print guy. So, but I've delved a little bit into video. Nigel's an old video guy. He always says the magic's in the editing room. Well, but, you, but man, to try to pare that down into a digestible <laughs> length has got to be hard. Yeah. We have that saying, you know, kill your darlings. And, uh, when you're editing and I just know, like I'm, I'm dreading it because I mean, now, I mean, I have tons of footage and I have, you know, in terms of like my shot list and like where else, you know, I'm shooting between now and, you know, kind of early next year, I'm just like, shit, this is only going to be 90 minutes, you know? And, uh, <laughs> and that's a funny thing. Cause when I was first working on the project, there's like, cause I've only done, you know, up to this point I've done shorts. So, um, which I actually think shorts are actually much harder to, uh, to me. I have lots of respect for people that do shorts. Um, but you know what? I, you know what? I agree with you. And I always tell people from from my old newspaper days, it's harder to do a weekly newspaper than it is a daily. Because mm -hmm. you got to condense stuff down. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, I, and, I think you're right. Yeah. And so, you know, at first, when you first, when I was first working on the project, I was freaking out like, oh my God, how am I going to fill 90 minutes? And now I'm just like, oh shit, how am I going to yeah. get this down? You know, it's down to 90 minutes. I'm but, sure. you know, it'll, it's a, it's a journey. And, um, uh, you know, it'll, it'll, it'll happen. I, you could just make it a two-parter. <laughs> <laughs> you know. or, or just get Oliver Stone to buy in and you can make it six hours. No big deal. <laughs> oh <my gosh. laughs> so are you going to be doing the editing yourself? I hope not. God, I hope not. God, I mean, I will be, I will, I will likely be sitting with an editor. Um, one of my, in addition to, you know, I was talking about my commitments as a filmmaker. And so for me, that's also about having black women from the South on both sides of the camera. So uh, my goal wow. is to have our production and our crew um, as much of that from yeah. black, black women, black, black women identified folks from the South as well. And so, so that's been another kind of joy in this project is meeting. I mean, there's so many amazing, talented uh, artists in, um, in, in, I mean, just even in North Carolina, not to talk about the South. And so, so many of us are, you know, often told that we have to, you know, move to LA, move to New York, right, move to right. Atlanta. Um, and I get it in terms of um, kind of, you know, the industry, um, but I'm grateful that, um, that, you know, there are folks that, that are, that that believe in this project and are interested in working on it. So I will be with the <laughs> be with the editor. But but no, I know I know editors and I know um what a and I res I respect that that I respect editors and that skill set. So I definitely think that there are people who who are editors who 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 could lend things to that process that I can't for sure. What's, uh, what's been the reception from the the people who are going to be in, in in the film? Oh uh, well when you so approach we approach them. Um, so far so good. It's always scary. So that's, a, you know, it's always scary. Cause like you said, like when you're inviting me, it's less like, all right, are they going to say, you know, yes or no, or like, are you crazy? Or, you know, are they, you know, <laughs> suspicious because the other part of, you know, the history of documentary has been like this extractive and exploitive, um, history. Right. And so part of, for me, again, as a filmmaker, as a documentarian is thinking about like, okay, what are my ethics? Like, what are my ethical practices? How do I, um, approach my, my practice and my work as an artist in a way that's generative, um, that, uh, you know, involves 
the folks that I'm making documentaries with um, in a way where, you know, this, cause this is their story and this is, this is their life. And, and, right. and, and I'm not entitled to that. That's a gift. Um, and so um, they, we had a screening at Sundance um, earlier this year. Um, they did a Carolina works in progress screening. So they had one art, one film from North Carolina, one from South Carolina. There's a North Carolina film. And um, uh, I think Brie got to be at that. And so she got to see, she sees those, she sees pretty much any, any cut that I'm going to show like publicly, she sees first. I don't show anything gotcha. right, that right. she doesn't um, see first. Um, uh, but, um, and so, and, and that's that opinion, those, opi those opinions that mean the most um, mean the most to me. Um, and um, so, um, so, so far, you know, so good. There's still other folks that I'm talking to um, about participating and, um, but yeah, so far there's so, so far it's been, it's been, it's been good. So has so, it been difficult cool. to find, you know, obviously you're, yeah, you're looking for a particular subjects. Uh, was it hard to find them? Did there were some, some surprises of who you found that that sort of thing? I mean, you, you, you know, that, you know, that, you know, Spaceway and you know, Har Harlem. So, you know, the, you know, the big dogs. Well, but... not, not really. I mean, I, so anyone that knows me knows I take my research real seriously. Like I don't play. <laughs> well, you are a lawyer. So there's I that. don't play. Well, you know, there's, there's some lawyers that are horrible researchers, but. Um, <laughs> I don't want that lawyer. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, when I, when I'm kind of like, when I have something that, I, you know, I can go down rabbit holes really quickly. So if I, there's something that I'm, you know, focused on and studying or whatever, I, you know, I can, I, I can get fixated. And so um, like identifying people actually has not been, as much the challenge, um, I would say it's just more of like for some of the folks, because I think, and actually I do want to shout out um, L.A. McRae. So, you know, prior to Spaceway, um, there was there was a black owned brewery, uh, Black Star Brewing, which was in right. Hendersonville, North Carolina, and shut down under, from what I can tell from the news report, seems to be as a result of some racist, um, white supremacist um, kind of essentially attacks on the business. And on the building, and so you know, LA is um, not um, making beer, but is a part of the story. And so, um, so knowing that story was I, was important. You know, even even if that, even if the way that that shows up in the film might be different than you know maybe how I imagined. Um, there are other folks who, in earlier generations, as I mentioned, have been involved in in the beer industry that that who who like in their time, like, you know, may have been, you know, gotten, gotten notoriety, but many of us don't know. And so, um, so it hasn't actually been, it hasn't, thankfully, it actually hasn't been that as, as hard. Um, it just, just takes some time and some digging and some, some researching. Um, but, um, it's, uh, yeah, it's been, it's been, it's been good and it's been surprising in a good way. As you're, as you're digging through all this stuff, are there, and I don't want, I won't ask you to give things away. <laughs> I, know you, I know you want to keep it in. Maybe no wait. spoilers here. But but I mean, are there are there are, is there kind of a a type of story that's really catching you? Because it, it it sounds like you know you started with a really big wide lens view, and now you're now you're digging in, which is the way these these things work. But I just wonder if there's if you're finding yourself kind of attracted to certain types of stories as you find these people. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Long answer, yes. By, by the way, I set myself up for that. That, that is totally my fault. So, 
I, as far as kind of off of the the film part, the community where you live and that sort of thing, what what's the beer community like there? I mean, obviously there's a lot of black people down there. Are, are there are there a lot of black people into beer? What's what's it like in, in your area? Hmm, that's a really interesting question. So yeah, so I think demographically, so I would well, I mean, I think we're somewhere on one of the pages for the project, I mentioned this. So, you know, craft beer in North Carolina is huge business. It's, I mean, I think, I don't know if we're still the top, but I know at one point North Carolina had, had the most breweries per capita right. um, in the U S definitely in the U S South for sure. And yeah. so you're talking, you know, billions of dollars and yeah, the fact that at this point um, it's really, well, but in terms of black women, it's really just Celeste and Brie that are making beer in North Carolina, like having their own breweries, right. considering the demographics of the the state is, uh, is pretty, that, that there's a, a huge um, disparity there. Um, in fact, I just shared a, an article, um, we just shared an article, and this belongs to us, Twitter, there's a, you know, the census just came out, and yeah, so people are... You know, dissecting and analyzing, and so one of the things they talked about was how Asheville's black population has decreased by like ten percent or something. It was like pretty significant, like double digits. And there was, I think, it was an Asheville town council member who you know observed the fact that craft brewing is such a significant industry in Asheville, but black folks aren't a part of that. And not even just from the consumption end of things, but just right. like the equity the whole, and yeah. like owning and being yeah. part of the industry. And again, I think that's something that's both. For for Brie and Celeste, like that's really big for them, um, is how to how to the pipeline and how to give people a vision um, that that they can be a part of this. In terms of um, uh, and and I think in being those spaces where Black folk feel comfortable going, because I think you know there was also you know like some people and I think Brie and, and myself and others have had those experiences of going into certain. Uh, brewery spaces where you don't feel comfortable or like, well, maybe I don't want to play cornhole today, you know, <laughs> you know? <laughs> like the trivia, you know, I was joking um, recently how I went to, um, when I was in Maryland, I visited a brewery, which had amazing beer and the trivia night. It was like Seinfeld and friends or something like that. And I was just like, oh, Boy, damn, let me just go yeah. home now. You know, and yeah. I was like, why could it be Martin and living single? Like, I yeah, right. I something, right? different world. Oh my God. I would have made out like a bandit, but so, yeah. So, um, but, um, but yeah, I mean, you, I mean, you can go to different breweries, you know, in, uh, so I live in Raleigh, work in Durham. Um, and so, yeah, any given day, you could go to places and, and see different folks um, who enjoy craft beer. Um, there are beer clubs. There's beer, you know, shops. I think that there's the, that that whole vibe. It's a thing, you know, in, in North Carolina, particularly in, in this area, which we refer to as the Research Triangle. Um, so, um, but I think now, you know, just thinking about the conversations that have happened since. When I first started working on the project in 2019 and now like I had no idea kind of um, like, you know, the black is beautiful project and just right. the way that the conversations around race would amplify, like how amp amplified um, they would be getting over the last, what's that three years? I had, right. you know, I, I, I didn't see that coming at all. And, and in North Carolina, you have breweries, brewers, white brewers, you know, who, who are, who are like, yeah, okay. Yep. Let's, let's talk. Let's figure this out. Let's, you know, let's invest, let's um, put our, you know, weight or our influence or whatever, you know, behind, you know, some of these initiatives or who have supported the film. Um, and so, um, you know, I think that there's a generation of, you know, brewers and a generation of folks who are, who are working in the industry 
who um, who want to see the the demographics and the dynamics and the cultural um, norms around race and gender that have been kind of allowed to um, to be the norm. They want to see that change and shift. Um, yeah. And I think also they're seeing that they're some of their customers are demanding that and expecting that of them. Yeah. Do you do you feel like the way that is the time now? All that stuff that you were just talking about does that put a, does that give you a little bit of a little bit of pressure to get this this project done? <laughs> no, I mean it's funny. I mean, like, people... I mean, I mean, you know, the, look, the timing is is a lot, right? <laughs> yes, I, I yeah. I mean, I will say there's always that pressure because everyone's always like, "When's it gonna be done? When's it gonna be done?" It's <laughs> like, do y'all really understand what it How takes to make a works. good film? Uh, yeah, I just, I just I just wondered if because... like this ain't no TikTok. You know, but, uh, but no, I mean, I do, I do feel that pressure, but I also know, like, I, you know, again, like all the document, all the documentaries that I love are all projects that came about in the time that they needed to come about. And so I trust, I do, I trust the process. I trust, like, I feel like the documentary is not just about the end product of the film. Right, it's about right. the journey for the filmmaker. Like if your art is not changing you as an artist, then, then you've missed half of the purpose of making your art. The art is not just about the end product. It's about, you no, know, how has this, this journey, this process, this, how has this changed me? How is it, how's it, how's it affected me? So, um, so I trust that, um, you know, the fact that COVID happened, like that was not in the production schedule. <laughs> you, can't call that one, right? <laughs> you know, that I was writing all these grants, like, Oh, you know, that was not in the production schedule, but you know, it's like, okay, you know, it's, it's, it, you just gotta, you know, it, it's part of the journey. And you figure it out and you pivot and, you know, shoot outside or, you know, whatever, or you got to put, push some stuff back and, and just, tr and just, and the end of the day, I just have to trust that, yeah. um, you know, it's, it's for a reason. And, um, but yeah, there's a little bit, there's, there's, a, I, w I wouldn't lie to say there's not, there's not a little bit of pressure, but mostly because I just, I, I, because so many people um, have been so supportive and believe in film and like, but like we need this this film needs to be made it needs right, to be out right. in the world <laughs> um and so um so for that reason um i feel that a little bit but i also understand the importance of uh, yeah of the journey i i, I guess i just wonder this will be this will be my my own uh, privileged white ignorance on it a little bit but you know to finally have people willing to have these conversations that's that's where i was coming from with i wondered about if there was pressure to get these kinds of stories out because culturally we seem finally to be at least part of the country willing to have these talks <laughs> i mean i think at this at this point in my life i think about like the work of this type of change in 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 kind of the span of like generations <laughs> as opposed to like moments or even months or years like i think a lot about like the analysis that people have done or even like Stacey abrams done is about like georgia and like what happened with the various elections and she says you know this is like a this was a decades long moment this didn't just right. happen you know because of some three month strategy you right, know this right, was this right. was a decade in the making and so that i think i can find some sense of like i don't feel like that urgency like oh my god if i there's this window and if i don't get through yeah. get it the ball through this window i'm gonna miss it and then my ship has sailed and it's gonna be over you know like i have i have no idea what's gonna happen um, but I do kind of know that I think that this is part of a long, you know, a long arc, you know, that's bending and, um, and I'm really, you know, I'm really committed to, to investing in those relationships so that, you know, you know, regardless of, you know, the timing and, you know, what's happening that, um, you know, there's still, there's still that interest and there's still, you know, that energy and it might look different, 
Um, and the other thing is I hope this shouldn't be the only documentary like this that comes out. Like I want there to be other right. projects and films um, that, um, that look at this, this topic and look at, you know, I love like one of the things I love and I love like one of the, the things that I've loved about working this project is like projects like High on the Hog and like kind of being introduced to like the ways in which lots of people are talking about these, all these different food ways that have ties to, you know, indigenous culture, African culture, um, Latinx culture, like I love like this moment that we're in of like reclamation, right. like of everyone just like reclaiming, like, nope, that, nope, that was started with us. Nope, that, you know, oh, nope, coffee. Nope, that's us running. Nope, tie-dye. Nope, we, we did that too. <laughs> you know, <laughs> everything, you know, I have this joke, like everything you love about the South is African. You know, yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, the food, yeah, like so. the music, guitar, banjo, it's all, you know. So it's like, um, so I feel like um, being a part of that, kind of shift I hope is like it's not just like a it's not just like a moment and not just like a trend or whatever well the, um, the, the story is the story that hasn't been told so it's gonna be evergreen it's gonna be one of those things that anybody who watches it can be like oh my god I did not know that because you're doing you're doing something that has not been done so you know we talk about you know some of the history of, of beer and but there's really not been a deep dive film wise. So, you know, and, and yeah, you're coming from it, coming, coming to it from the, the, the perspective of the South, but it still speaks to beer and, and black people as a whole in this country. So I love what you're doing. I can't wait. So hurry up. <laughs> <laughs> take, take your time. But, yeah. um, <laughs> <laughs> you got a mystery beer? I'm just saying, what is that? bottle beer? opener I've ever seen in my life. Is that like a whistle? Well, it's like a train whistle. It's, train it's whistle. one of those homemade bottle openers. I think you can do it with that side. Oh, uh, hold on. This is uh, pithy and rye. So that's a pretty good beer. Yes, that's I, the label. I don't know what it is. I was working at one of the breweries and they brought it to me. It's just one of those. It's one of those mystery <laughs> mystery beers that home brewers. That does that does not look right. Yeah, that's how, dude. All right, and it's magnetic. Look at that. Oh, look at that. Fancy. So I don't know what the style is because he didn't. Have it. <laughs> so, we do like. Mr. Oh, it's dark. It's dark. Y'all, y'all. Ooh, I see. Like, hey, why? Why we pour though? This was amazing. The black is beautiful. Mm -hmm. Yeah, shout this out. This was amazing. Shout out to Marcus. I haven't had that mm. one. That's a good one. Now, I actually, I actually have. When I went down to the brewery, funny story. I'm down there. Of course, I'm looking for Marcus. He's not there, obviously. So I'm like, I'll just buy a bunch of beer, and they had the barrel aged. Black's beautiful. <gasps> oh, I didn't even know they had a barrel age. But it was only it was supposed to be only a tap room release. Right. Uh -huh. And I, I was like, well, I said, I came all the way from Kansas City. And I said, I can I can message Marcus if you want. <laughs> They're like, gone to take it. So it's sitting in my house. Right <gasps> now, so. Wait, so did they did they keg it or what or be, uh, put it, it bottled, bottled? Like what size bottle? Uh like that size? Yeah, a little bit bigger than that. So wow. not 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 a twelve ounce. Oh damn! I would have put it in order if I knew that all that was going down. Yeah, it, it was tapping <laughs> only though, you know. But you probably got somebody to get you know get it. Exactly. Just yeah, like, like just, hold just, it, just, just hold wait, it. Just hold it for me. Nigel, drive out there to. to North I was like, just take, just bring it. What? No, bring it with you to Pittsburgh. We meet up in Pittsburgh. We do the drop. <laughs> that's actually good, that's actually not a bad idea. <laughs> not a bad idea. That's what we've done. That is, that is not a that's Just not a bad idea. Until we get to Pittsburgh. Have you seen Have you seen the the collabs that are coming out that I'm they're doing excited. for that beer fest? Yeah. Oh my god. Yes, uh, I'm very very excited. Is incredible. Oh, it's ridiculous. <laughs> and I love 
love it because I feel like like when I think about particularly like 90s like hip hop culture, I feel like that's very much a part of like that, like that, like, you know, the artists and, you know, that would, I just think about all of those like music videos with like, you know, Tribe Called Quest and De La right. Soul and, you know, it'd be like 50 groups packed into the video yeah. shoot and, you know, so I just love, I just love that vibe and that energy of the collab. I love everything about it. So what are you going to be doing uh, at Barrel and Flow? Well, hope, well, the most important thing I'll be doing before the before then is actually auntie duty. My my sister and <laughs> my nibblings live in Pittsburgh, so it's always nice to um, kind of be able to have time with them. And then, yeah, I hopefully we'll just be meeting folks um, and yeah, just talking to a lot of folks and learning yeah. about the different brewers and the breweries, um, particularly the ones that I haven't gotten to know. Um, right. Right. And yeah, seeing again a lot of the folks who've been gracious enough to bring me on their podcast and to take an interest in this belongs to us um, have have you know said that they'll be there. So I'm, it, it, I feel like it'll be kind of, it'll be like a reunion. Of I think sorts. yeah, I think it will be too. Because when I went in nineteen, I I did way more talking than than I did drinking, mm-hmm. and, and 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 a lot of the beers I'm like, well, damn, I didn't even have that. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. Who knows what's going to happen I this year? I have no idea what to expect, but but all of you. Wait, so, so Nick, have you been before? I haven't been, not. and and <gasps> the reason oh. we're doing the show. So Nigel came back from that from Fresh from Fest, 2019 yeah. Fresh mm-hmm. Fest, and I believe his words were, "I got shit to say," because we were already mm-hmm. in Kansas City. You know, one of my things is, you know, why? How do we? How do we get some of these tap rooms a little more color? You know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. So it's always been my thing. And uh, Day Day and Ed, the drinking partners, I would mm-hmm. listen to their podcast, and then I met them, and then I went to Fresh Fest, and I was like, okay, yeah, this, we're about to do some shit, talk some shit, and, and see what happens. So, you know, COVID ru- ruins everything because we had big plans for twenty, but mm-hmm. you know, uh, we're still we're still you know, this is forty six. Yeah, so we're still we're still talking the game, and we're you know we're getting some different perspectives from people we've talked to all around the world, um, and hopefully. Is getting people in Kansas City to understand, mm-hmm. yo, we can make we can make these tap rooms a, a little more diverse. Because mm-hmm. I, I have no I have no problem being the only person of color in there, but it, it's ridiculous. Come yeah. on, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, start asking yourself, like, hmm, yeah. So we've um we've got some buddies of ours. Um, they're there is the historic district in Kansas City called. I was reading Vine. about yeah, I was reading so, I've been reading about that. Yeah, mm-hmm. so uh, Vine Street Brewing. So that's the first first black brewery mm-hmm. in, in Missouri. Mm-hmm. Certainly the first one in in, in the uh, state, right? In Kansas City. But the nice thing about the area where they're doing it is historically black, mm-hmm. and there was the the Negro Leagues Basement Museum is there, mm-hmm. the Jazz Museum. So the goal is, which are just treasures. Yeah. So the, the community. So the goal is is to. Be so close that people are like, "Oh, we're gonna go check mm-hmm. this out," and then mm-hmm. they realize, "Okay," because if you go four blocks down the street, there's seven other breweries. Wow! On the same street. <gasps> wow! So you got 18th and Vine, and you got 18th and Brooklyn, and you go, mm-hmm. you go, you go west, and there's all these other breweries that you don't see any people. People, but, but never, nobody goes past there. Yeah, you know, and that's, that's why I asked you, you about your area because I'm always curious. As much as I go to different places. Yeah. You know, some of the cities that I go to, I'm like, oh, like when I go to Dallas, mm-hmm. every tap room I've gone to, I've seen black people. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't expect that. It was just, it was just mm-hmm. weird. Mm-hmm. Where Oklahoma City, too. Oklahoma City has been one of those cities, too. Sacramento, not so much. L.A., not so much. Boston, certainly not. Um, Florida, no. You know, 
Mm. There's a lot of places. It's just, you know, again, the issue we have in this town, it's not that it's, it's, if you're not aware, you're not, you don't know, Mm -hmm. you know? So you, again, if, if, if you didn't have that, that drive to just go to a, a, to a, to a, you know, to a tap room and try that Porter, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. you know, you wouldn't, you would never have known, but you're at least curious enough to be like, Hmm, let me see what's going on. So, you know, So we got it. We're trying to get a better starting point for people in the, in this town because um, these breweries are missing money. Well, I'll be, I'll be, <laughs> I'll be fas- fascinated, Nick, to hear um, about your experience. I'm excited. But well, all the guests we've had on, what a huge number of them were, have been to that festival. Yeah, we actually went. Yeah. So just hearing all the stories, I'm like, I imagine I'm going to find a really good corner, and I'm just going to watch. <laughs> <laughs> well, Nick. Yeah. <laughs> that might backfire. Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Don't like, be weird. Just, I know. People, what are you doing in the corner? What are you plotting? Like, hold up. No, tell me weird. He's only mingling. I make I make it awkward. It's, it just happens. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not quite. No, I'm I'm excited about it, and just to just I like just going out and meeting people, and yeah. I didn't really care about beer until Nigel made us start this little project. I drank it, but Aww. I didn't pay attention to it. Um, oh. <laughs> <laughs> So it's fun. I don't yeah, know what is. this beer is, but it's good. I like it. Um, I, I can't tell if it's I, a I, it's, if it's not... barrel aged or it's it's. I'm pretty sure it's a stout, but it's kind of got some whiskey taste to it. There's a there's a barrel flavor to it. Yeah, there really is. That's a little bourbon. I, mm. I wouldn't be surprised. Those guys are really good brewers. Who is this? Um, I don't think you would know them. A couple oh. of guys out of the homebrew group. <laughs> oh, they're homebrew. They're they're, they're, they're oh. homebrewers. Uh. Yeah, they're homebrewers. Oh so wow. They're, yeah, they're brewing in uh, down in uh, wherever that Pleasant Hill or wherever that not Pleasant Hill, one of those other towns down that way. But no, it's it, it's a nice beer. One of those tiny little places. One of those tiny little places that needs a brewery. That needs a brewery. That well, hey, look, a... they're getting them. <laughs> they're getting there. Now, so I, I am I am excited about that, and it'll be fun, it'll be fun to meet you. Yeah, yeah. In person, not not through the video screens. Yeah, I know. Yeah. What's that? What's the uh, what's the timeline? Do you have a a timeline for when you want to be done? I know I know it's production. I know. You know, actually, I'm going to write of, it down and we're going to hold it <laughs> a lot of variables. Oh, man. Start taking bets. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah. Um, well, I definitely know we'll be in production through the end of this year, at least, and maybe a little bit into next year, um, mostly because I'm, I'm hoping to actually be able to shoot in Nigeria. Oh, really? Um, yes. That was always the plan. And um my family, my mom's side of the family actually goes to my, my grandmother's hometown, uh, like on an annual basis to do kind of like medical, um, missions trip and, you know, kind of help, um, do just some basic kind of health assessments and things like checking eyes, you know, eyesight and blood pressure and things like that in my grandmother's village. And so the plan was to go with my mom, I guess that would have been last, yeah, last September. So obviously that didn't happen because of COVID. And I don't know, you know, we're still trying to figure out what the kind of the over and under in terms of being able like when, if that's possible. So, um, cause you know, obviously everyone's health and health of crew and everyone is, is the most important thing. So, um, so that'll really, that, you know, just what, whatever happens in the next few months, I'm kind of bracing myself as, you know, kids are getting back to school and just, right. you know, I don't know what the world's going to look like. I'm just like, like, can we make it to Fresh Fest? I mean, excuse me, make it to Barrel and Flow. <laughs> Make it to yeah. October, make it to Black, make it to Blacktoberfest, but you know you just get got to take it a day at a time. But we'll definitely be shooting throughout through the end of the year. Um, 
um, which would put us putting out something. I mean, the earliest, you know, end of 2020, well, end of 20, into, and end of 2022, early gotcha. 2023. I was like, hold on. <laughs> yeah. Like, like, I, she's, she's forgiven. You know, COVID how, ruined. You know, time works real weird. And right. COVID right. ruined like, perspective of time. Like, we can't count anymore. Is this? So, so I heard, I, I read the, I read the other day. We're all still talking about 2020. We're four months from 2022. I know. I know. <laughs> no. So have, yeah. have you been to Nigeria before? I have. Um, growing up, we would go about every four years. Um, my pretty much most of my dad's side of the family is there, and my mom has this family there. And so, um, yeah, the, I'm way overdue though. The last time I was there was 20. Was it? No, was it 2011? It might have been the last time. It's been a while. So yeah, but I, but yeah, we grew up. We grew up going there about every four years. Um. So. Very cool. Yeah. Um, I'm I'm curious. You know, as a as a person who's shot a lot of different things, <laughs> you're a lawyer, but you're also a filmmaker. How? <laughs> which came first, and how did? I'm curious how you got into the filmmaking part. That's an interesting question, which came first. Um, <laughs> I mean, technically, I mean, technically, I made my first movie in element in elementary school. I made a movie for like the county film festival. Um, like I made it was not documentary. It was like I wrote a script and I put my friends in it. And, you know, we shot it, you know, after school and on the weekends and my friend's mom. <laughs> yeah, my, yeah, I was gonna say like back when we like tape tape, you know, my friend's yeah, yeah. mom like helped me do the editing and everything like that. Um, but you know, it's interesting. A lot of you know, I get that question a lot, and um, I think that for me, the through line for both is like the power of narrative and the power of story. Uh, and I think that the best lawyers are the best storytellers. And I think you know, obviously, that's what document documentary good documentary is about. And I also think about like the history of how documentary has supported um, uh, legal work, particularly movement work and civil rights work. And yeah. so um, one of the lawyers that um, has been inspiring to me is Charles Hamilton Houston, who among many things was Dean of Howard Law School. And he taught folks like Thurgood Marshall and Polly Murray and he has this saying about how a lawyer is either a social architect or a social parasite. And so this idea that with the privilege that you have of your, of whatever you've been given, you know, what are you building? How, what are you contributing? What are you engineering? What are you offering the world as opposed to just sucking out of it? But the other thing about um, Charles Hampton Houston is that the NAACP sent him to South Carolina uh, with a camera in the, I guess that would have been the 50s to document the disparities in white and black schools in South Carolina. And so he took that documentary, he took that film and brought it back to Howard and used it to teach his students who, like their good Marshall, who would, you know, go on to be the first black um, Supreme uh, Supreme Court judge, you know, it was, it was, it was helping them kind of, um, uh, it was help, it was giving them, it was kind of feeding their imagination for not just how the world was, but how the world should be as it related to what would it mean and look like for black children to have schools that reflected their their worth and dignity, right? In the same way as their their white neighbors. So um, again, knowing the history of like how film has supported um, particularly the type of legal work that was the work that inspired me to go to law school, um, it actually helps make 
make that connect for me um, in really a powerful way. So I think of it as like another tool in the toolkit. You know, Mm -hmm. I think, you know, that there are, there's, you know, a place for, you know, legal work and and all the ways that shows up. And I think there's a place for art and a place for story and documentary um, and all it's in its various formats. So yeah, so for me, they're they're more connected than I think most people yeah, most people think, and which is imagine, yeah, yeah, which is which, is, and it's one of the things that I've really enjoyed about working on this project um, is just seeing that, you know, when I shoot a shot a few times at this point, you know, with Brie on, you know, brew days, and just seeing how much of you know any art, like I, I guess I get a lot of inspiration from all different types of art mediums um, and even brewing, and because it is it's art it's science yeah. it's chemistry it's culinary arts it's engineering math it's yeah a lot of math <laughs> it's um you know it's you know um like visual art in terms of like the can art mm-hmm. and you know all those things it's like you know all the all that goes into it and so um so um i really appreciate that i've really appreciated that I gained a lot of respect for just seeing how much literal blood, sweat, and tears go into yeah. making, yeah. making you know this product, and how much how much intention, particularly when you know knowing a brewer who puts so much intention and thought you know into 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 her craft, um, it makes me really appreciate it. Is is there is there a, a documentary or, or a documentary director that maybe inspired you or that you look up to? Because mm-hmm. I can think of, I you know, everybody loves Ken Karen Burns, right? You know, most people. I was um, like, I was like <laughs> well, I you know, I remember going to see like Ava DuVernay films at like these independent film festivals yeah, when yeah. nobody knew who. She, I mean, like not nobody, but like I'm sure her friend, you know, but like a small, like right. she, it was not 13th Ava DuVernay. It was not you know yeah. when they see us. Yeah, yeah. The Ava DuVernay was not the you know, and I remember like you know, going to see her films, these like indie, you know, film festivals that no one else would go to. And I'd be like, maybe like one of a handful of people. So seeing how, seeing how, seeing her journey has been really, um, really inspiring. Um, I noticed that with the High on the Hog um, series, um, I think the directors were, some of the directors were Roger Ross Williams, Mm -hmm. who I really, um, um, whose work that I followed and admire, as well as Yerba Rickin, um, who's also done some amazing work um, that I followed. Um, I'm trying to think who see, else. I didn't, even, I didn't even look at those to see who the director <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> I make my we watch the credits in this household. I'm well, like, yeah, I'm, no, I'm with you. You, you will I, not, you will not skip me to the next thing, Netflix. No, 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 yeah, no. We yeah, watch yeah. the credits. I want to see so. the credits. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was just blown away by the story of those four episodes. Well, I remember it got to the end. I'm like, wait a minute, only four episodes? Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that's what that's when you know it's good. You know right. what I'm saying? Oh, yeah. So I got I got a nerd out a little bit. What what are you shooting with? Oh, I'm shooting. I was like, oh yeah, gear talk. Um, <laughs> so I shoot on a Canon 80D. Okay. Um, which because I learned on like a Mark V, I think it was, but okay. Canon is what I learned on. So I shoot on a Canon 80D um, and using um, you know um, lav mics, um, uh, you know shotgun Sensenheimer or Sensenheimer. Mics. Um, I've got GoPro. Um, I have a drone that I have not. I'm still practicing on. I've crashed it. I've crashed it into the side of my house a few times. <laughs> it looks so easy, but it's not. Um, and um, yeah, you pretty much. And then my iPhone. I've shot stuff on my really? iPhone. Mm-hmm. I've shot stuff well, on my yeah, iPhone. Yeah, that, yeah that you, um, you definitely do that. Yeah. And um, I'm trying to think. I'm I'm very much natural light 
person. Are you? Um, yeah. So me, unless I'm like, like it was one time I was shooting with Brie and we were like, everything was fine. We were like in this the one level of this building. And you know, I you know made my adjustments and I did white balance and all that stuff. And then all of a sudden it's like, all right, we're going to the basement. And I was like, shit, I don't have any lights with me. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm like trying to do stuff on the camera to like oh, get yeah. the aperture and exposures and to get as much like whatever light we you yeah. know. I'm just you like, gotta no, cheat. Shine, you gotta shine that flashlight this way, you know. Um, but um, but yeah, um, I'm pretty much yeah, I pretty I, I try not to complicate it complicate it too much um That's good. and then if it's if i'm if i'm working with a cinematographer that you know shoots on something else you know we figure it out and right um and what works but um but yeah so good old canon 80d <laughs> so how, how often are you getting to shoot because i mean you obviously have a job pretty yeah um, about <laughs> pretty uh, about, i would say at least pretty i would say monthly Okay, that's um, so good. it might be, might, I might be out in Rocky Mount. Um, Brie might be doing something in Durham, um, you know, or somewhere over, you know, this side of town. I might be like, I was doing an interview with my mom up in Maryland. Um, I might be, you know, doing an interview with someone in Richmond. I might be out in <clears throat> another part of the state shooting. So I'm shooting at least once, once a month. Cool. Um, right about now, although I'm sure once the fall, because so many, so much stuff, so much of the stuff that got canceled is, you know, scheduled and, you know, the fall is a really popular beer event month, you know, yeah. in terms of October and the fall, I'm sure some of that will, well, there'll be a little bit of uptick in the fall, but, um, but yeah, just about once a month. So yeah. thankfully because I'm, you know, shooting folks in the South, generally everyone's a drive away. <laughs> so <laughs> That's nice. Nick yeah. Nine, open at Mr. Neither keeps giving me the look like I got to get to the last mystery. Period. Well, I mean, oh, I didn't uh, see, oh, wow. I didn't even notice. I'm like, where did that come from? Yeah, that. we do. We do three. Uh, while you're you. doing that, um, I'll be in Bowie, Maryland next <gasps> weekend. Oh, my God. Uh, that's, where <laughs> that's, that's home. That's like literally that's where my parents live. That's, so, that's so, home. so just tell me where I should go to drink some what? beer. Well, we can talk about this. Long. I was like, can I ask you this online? Like, where are you going to Bowie? I, I've got one of my best friends lives there. He works for uh, Hearst Corporation. Oh, yeah, out, of, out of the DC bureau. Oh wow! Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, cool. oh yeah, well, so, I'll send you the, the brewery that I visited when I was there last month and brew my mom. I'll send I'll send it to you. Cool. Yeah, because he's not yes. really a beer drinker. But mm -hmm. the fun thing is, because he lived in Boston before, ah! and, and I yeah, and I went. He lived he lived in uh, God, what was the name of that town? I can't remember. Not Boston proper, but you know one of those little towns. He doesn't <laughs> okay. drink beer, so I took him to Trillium, and but he mm -hmm. loves whiskey. And they had a, a, a barrel aged stout. He's like, "Oh my god, this is so good!" I'm like, mm -hmm. "I'm telling you, bro." Mm -hmm. I said, "I said there's a there's a beer out there for everybody. Yes. Yeah, whether you know whether, whether you know about it or not, it's waiting for you." Yes, <laughs> I've, I've many a times I've watched people come up like a beer, a Bree serving beer. She's serving beer at a Juneteenth event in Durham, and I can't tell you how many people came up and be like, well, "I'm more of a bourbon person," or I'm more of a you know whatever, yeah. and they would try um, Dundada. Which is a cardamom stout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I heard. I've and they heard were like, they were like, ooh, you know. And so, yeah, and that that happened over and over again. So, yep. And that's that's the beauty of beer. Mm -hmm. You know, beauty. There's there's all all good booze. Beer, booze. <laughs> booze. It's all good. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> what, what we got there, Nick? Hey, lively, lively beer works is back. Shout out to Pat Lively in Oklahoma City. This is the Lively mm -hmm. Lab series. Mister Beefcake's strawberry cream ale. Oh. Oh. Sounds good. We're changing it up. Yeah, we are. Yeah, Oklahoma City is one of those beer towns that nobody realizes how good it is hmm. and i keep telling people i'm like it's super undercover but super good one oh. uh, one, one black owned brewery down there um vanessa house so vanessa house yeah okay, shout out to vanessa house um 
we got you. You know, when you, we always talk about, we've been we've, we've been giving short shrift to to women owned breweries here in town because we forget that they can be co owned. <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? So we're we're trying to make up for that. But you know, the nice thing about Kansas City, we have a lot of female owners and brewers as well. That's which true. Is, and, yeah, still. And we, uh, how long ago was that? Maybe six, maybe was that a year ago? Six months, eight months? Got our first uh, uh, female black assistant brewer in, in Kansas City. Hmm. I feel like that was last, early last spring? Yeah, late so yeah, she's over at Torn Label, which uh, Des, Des Jones, shout out to Des, uh, one of our favorite guests. Oh, one, nice. of the, one of the few times we I, had to, we I, had to I, edit. I, I, I love her. You, I know you. I, I also hate her with a jealous rage. <laughs> <laughs> she is so talented. Like, there's nothing she can't do. Yeah, she's a, she's self she plays self-taught like, musician. She plays like every instrument. Like, you just put an instrument in front of her, and she'll master mm. it. And she brews. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Women are pretty amazing. Yes, we do know this. <laughs> <laughs> like, like, I'm already feeling bad about jealous of one person. Now you got to get me jealous. Of <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a lot. That's a tasty beer right there. Uh, strawberry cream. That's very nice. Shout out to Pat Lively. I like that. That's good, isn't it? Pat was a great guest too. He was. So we got the the last mystery beer out, out of the way. As we wrap this up, because I know it's past your bedtime, because you kind of said you you are slow drinking, aren't you? <laughs> I told y'all. I said you're, 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 you're not going. You're not going. You're not going to make it. She's she's <laughs> she's in the south. That's a sipping beer. That's a sipping beer. <laughs> <laughs> oh Lord Jesus. <laughs> so so tell people tell people where they can like follow you on social media to find out about the, the film and, yes. and that sort of thing um so um this belong at this belongs to us on instagram the twitter the facebook um this belongs to us.com is the website um and i believe um i think there's a link tree on all the socials so you can find the links to like um our seed and spark page which has more background as well as for those folks who still want to support. Um, we just did a crowdfunding campaign uh, this that we ended the spring, but the project is also fiscally sponsored by the Southern Documentary Fund. So, so um, people can donate any time of the year that you want and your contribution is tax deductible um, if you uh, donate through the Southern Documentary Fund. And all those links are on our link tree as well. Um, I'm trying to think what else. And I think on the socials you'll find like, the link to the um, Sundance screening that we did um, so that we had a works in progress screening that we screened. Um, so you can see a little bit more about the project. Um, I think those are all that. And there, there will be some more things happening this fall. I'm not sure the timing yet of when I can share them, <laughs> but, um, but yeah, but if you follow us on social on the socials, we'll share when, you know, we'll be uh, doing other like, talks or panels or events or things um that you know will be featuring the project so awesome and yeah. if i want to go see your shorts where can i go to see those, those oh if you go to my website it's www.tnudiver.com t-i-n-u-d-i-v-e-r and under i think the, the the section is work or something like that and it has the links to all of my short documentaries cool. and my um my audio on my soundcloud Awesome. Hey, you, you know what, Nigel? What's that? You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, any of your favorite podcast apps, and you can follow us on the socials. Facebook, <laughs> Instagram. Where else are we? Are I we love, everywhere? I, I love you. I love it when you break out the radio voice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Vimeo. Like well. it's, it's still not as cool as Nigel mm. Knight. Though. I can never be Nigel Knight. Nobody can do that ever again. <laughs>
Was that a thing? Were you really <laughs> that, Nigel Knight? That, that was my radio name back in the day. Uh, oh, yeah. It was like quiet, like Quiet Storm, kind of. No, it was. Are <laughs> 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 you, know, you uh, a Quiet Storm guy? I was. I was. I was a smooth jazz guy. <laughs> I was on the on the smooth jazz tip. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> That's awesome. We appreciate you coming on. It's been a pleasure. Great conversation. Um, we can't wait to see the film. Um, good luck to you. We'll see you. At, we'll yeah, see you in a few weeks. Yeah, right. We'll see you. It's like three weeks from now, isn't it? Yeah, I know. So thanks for coming. Thanks for uh, talking Thank to us. Thank you for the invitation. I we appreciate it. it. Don't hang up yet because we got to do this first. I got I to gotta push a button. You've been listening to Beers with Nigel, a show about beer and other stuff. Hosted by Nigel Woodbury. And that other guy, Nick Parker. Beers with Nigel is poured for you by Dire Oil Graphics, providing bumper-to-bumper graphic design, promo products, and print services. Find them at direoil.com. Beers with Nigel is a proud member of the Fredcast Network and is available on all of your favorite podcast flavors. Find Beers with Nigel on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and ask Alexa to play the Beers with Nigel podcast.